Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their teardrop trailer that they have nicknamed Maggie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Rick. I'm filling in for Alara this week, so bear with me, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Some of you may remember the 2011 film War Horse by Steven Spielberg, telling the journey of the horse named Joey, who was raised by a young British teenager and bought by the British Army at the beginning of World War I, leading the horse to numerous individuals and owners while experiencing the tragedies of war. So as we come to you on this Memorial Day 2020, we would like to pay remembrance not only to the men and women who have given their lives in service of our country, but also to the animals who did as well. It is common knowledge by now that animals have long been trained to go to war with us. In recent history, dogs are used for bomb sniffing and guarding, but they were also used for communication and as draft animals in the last few centuries. The British Library has lots of information on their website with regard to animals at war, including some startling pictures of two dogs pulling a machine gun carriage. Pigeons were obviously used for carrying messages back and forth from the front lines or on ships. Considering the lack of communication methods that are available to us today, I imagine that this was one of the most critical animals of its era during wartime. The British Library said that one bird was even awarded a French medal. She was shot through the chest and still made it back with the message and saved 194 American soldiers with the news she carried. Up until the last century, I think that horses probably took the brunt of the wartime hit, and none worse than World War I. Though they were used primarily in cavalry units in prior wars, and still used in that way later, they were most commonly used for logistics, supply wagons, draft horses for ambulances, and as messengers. The value of the horses and the increasing difficulty of replacing them was such that, by 1917, some troops were told that the loss of a horse was a greater tactical concern than the loss of a human soldier. According to the IpraPeaceMonument.com site, over 8 million horses and countless mules and donkeys died in World War I. The British countryside was emptied by the requisition of horses, and agriculture at that time was heavily impacted. Horses were shipped in from many countries, and many mules from the U.S. were sent to Europe as well. In 1918, 75,000 horses were used by the cavalry. 450,000 horses and mules were used for carrying supplies. 90,000 were used to carry guns and artillery. And 100,000 carried food and ammunition or wounded soldiers. Since the food allotment for a horse was 20 pounds of grain per day, they were often hungry and were fed sawdust cake. Conditions were severe for the horses at the front. They were killed by artillery fire, suffered from skin disorders, and were injured by poison gas. Hundreds of thousands of horses died, and many more were treated at veterinary hospitals and sent back to the front. At the beginning of the war, 
the German army depended upon horses to pull its field kitchens as well as the ammunition wagons for artillery brigades. The Royal Corps of Signals used horses to pull cable wagons, and the promptness of messengers and dispatch risers depended on their mounts. Horses often drew artillery and steady animals were crucial to artillery effectiveness. The deep mud common in some of the parts of the front, caused by damage drainage systems flooding nearby areas, made horses and mules vital as they were the only means of getting supplies to the front and guns moved from place to place. After the April 1917 Battle of Vimy Ridge, one Canadian soldier recalled, quote, The horses were up to their bellies in mud. We put them on a picket line between the wagon wheels at night, and they'd be sunk in over their fetlocks the next day. We had to shoot quite a number, unquote. Thousands of horses were employed to pull field guns. Six to twelve horses were required to pull each gun. During the Battle of Cambrai, Horses were used to recover guns captured by the British from no man's land. In one instance, two teams of 16 horses each had their hooves, tack, and pulling chains wrapped to reduce noise. The teams and their handlers then successfully pulled out two guns and returned them to British lines. The horses jumping a trench in the process and waiting out an artillery barrage by German troops on the road they needed to take. Dummy horses were sometimes used to deceive the enemy into misreading the location of troops. Evidence exists that the Germans used horses in their experimentations with chemical and biological warfare. German agents in the U.S. are suspected of infecting cattle and horses bound for France with glanders, a disease which can fatally spread to humans. Similar tactics were used by the Germans against the Russians, causing breakdowns in their ability to move artillery on the Eastern Front. The value of the horse was known to all. Battle losses of horses were approximately 25% of all war-related equine deaths between 1914 and 1916. Disease and exhaustion accounted for the remainder. The highest death rates were in East Africa, where in 1916 alone, deaths of the original mounts and remounts accounted for 290% of the initial stock numbers, mainly due to the infection from the tsetse fly. On average, Britain lost about 15% of the initial military stock of its animals each year of the war, killed, missing, died, or abandoned, with losses at 17% in the French theater. This compared to 80% in the Crimean War, 120% in the Boer War, and 10% in peacetime. During some periods of the war, 1,000 horses per day were arriving in Europe as remounts for British troops to replace horses lost. Some horses, having collapsed from exhaustion, drowned in ankle-deep mud, too tired to lift their heads high enough to breathe. Equine casualties were especially high during battles of attrition, such as the 1916 Battle of Verdun, between French and German forces. In one day in March, 7,000 horses were killed by long-range shelling on both sides, including 97 killed by a single shot from a French naval gun. By 1917, Britain had over one million horses and mules in service, but harsh conditions, especially during winter, resulted in heavy losses, particularly amongst the Clydesdale horses, the main breed used to haul the guns. The First World War had the conscription of thousands of these horses for the war effort, and after the war, breed numbers declined as farms became increasingly mechanized. This decline continued between the wars, and following the Second World War, 
the number of Clydesdale breeding stallions in England dropped from more than 200 in 1946 to 80 in 1949. By 1975, the Rare Breed Survival Trust considered them vulnerable to extinction, meaning fewer than 900 breeding females remained in the UK. Over the course of the war, Britain lost over 484,000 horses, one horse for every two men. A small number of these, 210, were killed by poison gas. Feeding horses was a major issue, and horse fodder was the single largest commodity shipped to the front by some countries, including Britain. Horses ate around 10 times as much food by weight as a human, and hay and oats further burdened already overloaded transport services. In 1917, Allied operations were threatened when horse feed rations were reduced after German submarine activity restricted supplies of oats from North America, combined with poor Italian harvest. The British rationed hay and oats, although their horses were still issued more than those from France or Italy. The Germans faced an even worse fodder crisis, as they had underestimated the amount of food they needed to import and stockpile before the beginning of the war. Sawdust was mixed with food during times of shortage to ease animals' sense of hunger, and many animals died of starvation. Some feed was taken from captured territories on the Eastern Front and more from the British during the advances of the 1918 Spring Offensive. Animals bolstered morale at the front due to the soldiers' affection for them. Some recruitment posters from World War I showcased the partnership between horse and man in an attempt to gain more recruits. Many horses died as a result of the conditions at the front, of exhaustion, drowning, becoming mired in mud, and falling in shell holes. Other horses were captured after the riders were killed. Horses also endured poor feeding and care, poison gas attacks that injured their respiratory systems and skin, and skin conditions such as mange. When gas warfare began in 1915, nose plugs were improvised for the horses to allow them to breathe during attacks. Later, several types of gas masks were developed by both Central and Allied nations, although horses often confused them with feed bags and destroyed them. Soldiers found that better bred horses were more likely to suffer from shell shock and act up when exposed to the sights and sounds of war than less well-bred animals, who often learned to lie down and take cover at the sound of artillery fire. Veterinary hospitals were established to assist horses in recovering from shell shock and battle wounds, but thousands of equine corpses still lined the roads of the Western Front. In one year, 120,000 horses were treated for wounds or disease by British veterinary hospitals alone. Ambulances and filled veterinary hospitals were required to care for the horses, and horse trailers were first developed for use on the Western Front as equine ambulances. Disease was also a major issue for horses at the front, with equine influenza, ringworm, and sand colic, sores from fly bites, and anthrax among the illnesses that affected them. British Army Veterinary Corps hospitals treated 725,216 horses over the course of the war, successfully healing 529,064. Horses were moved from the front to veterinary hospitals by several methods of transportation, including on foot, by rail, and by barge. During the last months of the war, barges were considered ideal transportation for horses suffering wounds from shells and bombs. When the war ended, Many horses were killed due to age or illness, while younger ones were sold to slaughterhouses or to locals, 
often upsetting the soldiers who had to give up their beloved mounts. There were 13,000 Australian horses remaining at the end of World War I, but due to quarantine restrictions, they could not be shipped back to Australia. 2,000 were designated to be killed, and the remaining 11,000 were sold, most going to India as remounts for the British Army. Of the 136,000 horses shipped from Australia to fighting fronts in the war, only one, Sandy, was returned to Australia. New Zealand horses were also left behind. Those not required by the British or Egyptian armies were shot to prevent maltreatment by other purchasers. The horses left behind did not always have good lives. The Brook Trust was established in 1930 when a young British woman arrived in Cairo only to find hundreds of previously Allied-owned horses living in poor conditions, having been sold to Egyptians after the war. In 1934, the Old War Horse Memorial Hospital was opened by the Trust and is estimated to have helped over 5,000 horses that had served in World War I. As of 2011, the hospital continues to serve equines in the Cairo area. War not only affects mankind, but our four-legged friends as well. The numbers for certain horse breeds after World War I were almost devastating, and it took years to bring back their numbers. So on this Memorial Day, we thank everyone, human and animal, who sacrificed their lives. We urge you to follow the links on this episode's description page. Animals have been critical to the military throughout history and are often forgotten. So please follow the attached links to get started on discovering their contributions and sacrifices. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please tell your friends to join us. Please feel free to post any questions or comments that you might have to our social media sites. Our Twitter feed is at Backyard Green Films, spelled B-K-Y-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Instagram is at Backyard Green Films, B-A-C-K-Y-A-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Facebook is Backyard Green Films. Our YouTube URL is youtube.com Backyard Green Films. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2020.